to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the NL lost the All-Star game again, but it was cool to see Wilson, Happ, and Schwartz do their thing for home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and a review so other people can find the podcast. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about what's going well. I write about what's going poorly. So more about the latter of the latter these days uh, over at Bleed Cubby Blue. And I am joined as always by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Oh, well, you know, I'm all star breaking over here. It's uh, it, and I, I do want to point out that all the players are at home resting, but not us. We're out here. We're we're doing Cubs podcasts. We're we're keeping the content flowing while all those lazy players are just sitting around. So uh we're we're here for you, people. So we're I'm I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm working on my house. I got visitors coming soon. You know, just I'm in, I'm enjoying the all-star break. I'm kind of glad the Cubs are out of town, to be honest. And it just gives me more time. So I'm doing well. Yeah, the only thing I don't love about the Cubs being out of town is that these are the last days of Wilson Contreras and there are, as far as I can tell, two of them. There are two days that I uh, might get to see Wilson Contreras play again. If he doesn't get traded, that that's that short two game pirate series, 25th and 26th. And it's really it before the trade deadline. I am going with Wilson Contreras, but I will continue to host this show and give you all of my Cubs thoughts. I am particularly irate with Jed Hoyer. And that actually is a great jumping off point for our first uh, line of business here. You know, Danny, over the break, I was kind of doing some deep dives over a baseball reference, just looking at some Cubs stuff, seeing like, how bad is this team really? You know, the, the franchise has been around since 1876. They were called the lovable losers for literal decades. It can't be that bad. And, and it is in fact that bad people. I am here to tell you this team currently, if the season ended today would have the fifth worst winning percentage in the history of the franchise, all the way back to 1876. The other seasons, three of them were a hundred lost seasons. The only reason 1981 wasn't, was because that was one of those years there the season got shortened because of labor strife and all of that type of stuff. Is this team going to lose 100 games? Is it going to join the 1966 team, the 1962 team, and the 2012 team? I distinctly remember being told that 2012 was like a one-time deal and we wouldn't have to go through this again. What is going on with this team? Are they historically bad? Uh, They could be, and... It, it'll be for a variety of reasons. And it's, and it's interesting that, you know, I wrote an article for bleed cubby blue in 2014, specifically April 29th, 2014, uh, an article called, is this the worst Cubs team ever? And this was an early call on what started out to be a pretty bad year, but still they didn't end up losing a hundred games, but it started out like with a pretty terrible winning percentage. Like if you look at the 2014 Cubs, uh, they started out um, nine and 16. <laughs> That's a three sixty. That's that puts you on pace for a pretty terrible year. Um, it, they were actually nine and 17 when I wrote this, cause they had a game in March. So if it, I mean, the reason that team was bad is because they started the season with nothing. They ended the season with something. They were building something the next year. They were in the playoffs. I went position by position, Randy Hundley versus, versus Wellington Castillo, Ernie Banks versus Anthony Rizzo, Glenn Beckert versus Emilio Bonifacio, you know, and I, you can look it up and just say, is this the world's, worst team ever bleed cubby blue rocket however you got to put it into google and you'll see uh but it didn't end up that way and john baker 
uh, who was the Cubs backup catcher that year, also the mental skills coordinator for the team and a friend of mine, he told me, he said that was the year that we started to feel it and move it back in the right direction. Now, this, now let me compare what I was calling that year as the worst team to this year. Uh, this, that team, 2014, was on the way up. This team is going in two different directions. So if you consider like some kind of Blue Friday trade situation where Contreras is shipped off, Hap, Hendricks, I don't know who's going to go. Um, but whoever does go, they're going to get younger, leaner, meaner. But you also have the cross current of like a Christopher Morrell or some of our young pitching, like going with Justin Steele to start the second half of the season and Keegan Thompson, who's had a nice year and been a, a, a nice piece for us. You know, you have that going on, too. So it's just, you know, every year is unique. Every season sacred, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I mean, this team still with all that going on could end up with the worst winning percentage of all time. <laughs> That's a long way of saying that. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these uh, end-of-season war totals, and, and there are some nice surprises that emerged in the 2014 Cubs. This is the year that you saw the start of Jake Arrieta being Jake Arrieta. Uh, it looks like he put up 5.6 B-War that season, which frankly is is incredible. Like, if the Cubs could get that out of any pitcher. <laughs> Sign him up. In a heartbeat, you know, you got Anthony Rizzo. He also put a 5.6 P war. I, I suppose there is a world where say a Suzuki stays healthy and Christopher Morrell stays healthy. And they put up some numbers like that. Nico's sitting at 3.2 B war right now. So he is kind of on pace to do one of those. The, the thing I notice when I look and admittedly, you know, we're looking at like not quite two thirds of a season, not quite, like, you know, some it's weird. The all-star break wasn't at the halfway mark this year. So it's messing with my math because we're at like 90 games and I don't even know what that is out of the entire season. So y'all are going to have to forgive me a little bit there. But when you look at some of these, like hat's got 2.8 B war right now, there's a question as to whether he'll stay on the team. We're going to talk about trade deadline stuff in a second. Wilson's at 2.7. Uh, another big question mark as to whether, He'll be on the team for very long. David Robertson, 2.1. Real big question mark there. Keegan Thompson sitting at 1.5. I guess I this team feels like a teardown in the middle, like closer to that 2012 team than that 2014 team. Like, I don't know who we have that could come up and do what Jake Arrieta did in 2014 or what Anthony Rizzo was doing in 2014. And that is part that combined with something that I think I'm going to just keep saying Everywhere that will let me say it until somebody makes me stop. Jed Hoyer is lying to us. Jed Hoyer refuses to call this a rebuild. Keeps saying, oh, it's a reset. It's a rebuild. I don't know. We'll see what we got. There's some money to spend. I don't know. Like, not everything's going the way we planned. Like, look, buddy, if you are going to oversee the worst winning percentage in the history of the franchise, in the history of one of the longest tenured franchises in the league, you do not get to get away with Oh yeah, it's just like we don't know what to call. It's a it's a quick. <laughs> well, it's 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 almost like you you could rebuild something or you could build from the ground up. Uh, you know, like a complete tear down. Uh, but this is more like a renovation. Is is you know, like if you compare it to like an apartment building, it's like they'll keep the facade i.e. the Cubs uniform, but everything inside the Cubs uniform is going to be completely different because that 2014 team and they didn't end up, they didn't lose a hundred games. Now, if you want to talk about some historically bad teams, 
I mean, you brought up uh, 62, uh, 66. I mean, those. And here's the weird thing about the 66 team. There's there's so many Hall of Famers on that team. It's insane. You have uh, uh, Ernie Banks on that team. Uh, I mean, these are some like all time Cubs. Randy Hundley is on the team. You know, I mean, so, but do it, like you put it, like you don't have a Jake Arrieta, you don't have uh, Don Kessinger, even. You know, you don't have any of these dudes that you're gonna think that are gonna live down in lore. You've, you're kind of just you're on, you're playing both sides of the coin right now, and it, that's what I mean. It's like a renovation. It's like I'm not sure they're gonna keep the facade, but the inside's gonna change. But it. I, I'm not sure where we're at, to be honest. Like, and that's what's frustrating. Well, part of the reason we're not sure where we're at is because Jed Hoyer isn't telling fans where he's at. I, you know, love him or hate him, and I'm not going to defend everything that Theo Epstein did. Theo did a lot of things that are questionable. I, Theo always told you where this team was at. We're in a rebuild. It's going to be a few years. Like, you know, buckle in for some losing seasons, but we will turn that into draft capital, and that will be a thing. Like, and I get that there is some strategic value to Jed Hoyer being opaque. Like the entire league, knowing what the Cubs are doing and knowing what they think the return it should be for a Wilson Contreras or an Ian Happ is not advantageous for the team. And also we are a smart enough fan base that Jed Hoyer could hold a press conference and say, look, I need y'all to trust me for three years. There is a plan. It will come to fruition. But I, one of the mistakes that we made during the Epstein years was being too transparent and it made it difficult to get the deals we needed to when say we tried to deal a Schwarber or tried to deal a hobby. And so I need you to trust me, but the timeline in my mind is X. I I think fans would be amenable to that. What we get instead is a bunch of consultant ease and a lot of things that have no meat on the bone and the highest, Sorry, second highest. According to the new rankings, we're slight, we were slightly edged out by the Boston Red Sox, but they're a good team, so I would pay this for the Boston Red Sox. The second highest price fan experience in baseball. You cannot ask fans to pay that when you are not telling them what is going on and you are about to like and you're in contention for the literal worst team in the history of the franchise. Sorry, Jed, doesn't I, I hate it. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> well, worst team by record. Not not by team. Like, by I record mean, or win-loss percentage. <laughs> like, both of those things. Like, what else do you want to break them by? Like, well, I, I... Well, I know. I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, there are, there have been bad teams. Like, the, the the 1966 squad, they've got, like, four Hall of Famers on it. Maybe even more. Sure, I got to yeah. look it up. There uh, are at least guys know. to cheer for in 1966. Like, you want to go to the park to cheer for some guys. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane, and and I don't I I didn't look up the number. Ernie Banks is on the worst team in that in Cubs history, <laughs> you know, like Ron Santo, Hall of Famer. Now the outfield gets a little touchy. You got Byron Brown, Adolfo Phillips, and Billy Williams, uh, you know, on that team. And but Billy Williams, you got Billy Williams, Ron Santo. I mean, Mister Cub, team. Ernie, yeah, Fer- Fergie. I said Fergie's on. Fer- that yeah, team. Fergie's on the team. Yeah, full Hall of Famers, and they lost a million games. Uh, they, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm I'm staring at it. Some of these, uh, some of these, like 
So you know how baseball reference does the thing where it's got like the green line for the wins and the red lines for the losses. There are a lot of red lines here and there are a lot of red lines that are like the, so on June 13th, 1966, Danny, this is a true story. Uh, the Cubs lost to the Giants zero to eight. They were 17 and 38. After the all-star break, the Cubs record was 26 and 58 and they lost to the Pirates four to 10. Like all of these losses aren't just losses. They are colossal mess losses. Yeah. And my article is actually 1962, which they lost 103 games. So, I mean, they, the, the current squad is on pace for that, but, and we don't have Ernie Banks on the team, <laughs> you know, we just don't, we don't have anybody comparable to that to cheer for right now. And so it really does feel directionless. Like, will they w- lose the most games? It's kind of seems like I, it, it's tough to know because what are other teams going to do that we play? Like, I haven't looked at our strength of schedule, uh, you know, who, who on the team is vaccinated can play in Toronto. Like I'm working on a piece on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I can't, Oh, I can't wait. I think you should break the the news on it too. Like you, you should have the scoop on that. I think, but it, so basically what I'm saying is that failure has many faces, <laughs> you know, you have the 1962 squad with, with tons of hall of famers on it. You have the two, 2012 squad which had anthony rizzo at least and uh i think right he was there oh, yeah yeah that was the i think that was the first year of anthony rizzo yeah mm-hmm. you, i mean you look i guess the big difference here is and this is the other thing that i kind of want to light the cubs on fire for those squads had guys to cheer for like there were people there were reasons to show up at the park i you know i don't know how much i'm gonna go when they trade Wilson Contreras it's gonna take me a solid month to feel like I can step foot in that place and not just be angry you Uh, were you went to the game after Rizzo yeah you were there with me I went for free it took me like a week and a half you had a free ticket the only reason I went is because it was free and you remember how I don't know Danny like you know me I'm a little moody like I I was moody that game I was cranky I, I have seen trades before but i've never seen the guts ripped out of an entire fan base i mean it was impressive i mean in, in retrospect as we're like coming up on it again because this one won't be as bad it's gonna be bad like it, you you see right i've got wilson Contreras hanging on my wall like multiple art pieces of wilson and like he's been one of my favorites of all time i always love wilson Contreras, and he's gonna be off the team and like, why? Like, I I just don't get it. And a year after you just did that other thing, like when you just like rip the soul out of Chicago, like and the guys that won us the World Series. And now say what you want about like who they should have capped and the money and this guy turned down that and the money, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, it doesn't matter regardless of what the reasons are. It still killed us all. And they're going to do it more and more and more. So it's just like, stop, stop. We're already dead. <laughs> you know, like, like I was joking on the last show. Well, you so, know, and, and let's, let's use this to segue to talk a little bit about the draft, because ostensibly the reason you do this is because it's better to be a team that has one of those high top 10 draft picks than it is to be middle of the road. Like the, the players who are available to you, in the first five or six or seven, the Cubs had the seventh pick this year uh, round are theoretically better 
than the player, not theoretically, they're better. Like they're, they're, they're a more likely to hit player than not hit in like the batter sense, but hit in like the make it to MLB sense. A more likely to hit player than the players that you get in the 14th round or the 15th round or hanging out in the middle of the road, right? Like the reason that you don't keep a Happer Contreras around is because you're trying to get one of those lowest picks possible. So the Cubs get the seventh pick in the draft due to ripping the, I love the way you said that. That is correct. Ripping the guts out of the Wrigley Field fan base by trading Anthony Rizzo, was, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez. I mean, I I had a really tough year last year in terms of grief, like physical grief. I lost a friend from high school who I was really close to who died way too soon. I lost my godmother, who was one of the five closest people to me on the planet in January. It was it was tough. So I was I was well acquainted with grief by the time the Cubs did this. And I can only describe the feeling I had in my gut when those trades came across my phone as grief. Not the same level of grief that I had losing my godmother, but I that's what it felt like. It felt the it felt like the same sucker punch punch in my soul. So theoretically, the reason you do that is for a draft pick. Uh, this year, most of the top baseball analysts said that there was a what they called the Magnificent Seven prospects out there available in the draft. They were all position players. There were a lot of question marks on the pitching side of things. And the Cubs take their seventh draft pick and they go for it. Admittedly, like Cade Horton could be great. Cade Horton is the pitcher with the most upside in the draft. He is also 18 months removed from Tommy John surgery. And before he added a slider to his re- his repertoire, he had a ERA in the sevens. The Cubs drafted him on six weeks of stellar baseball and a strong showing in the College World Series. Like, I, I got to say this. That is either brilliant or it is madness. Like, I don't know. Like, it's possible it's brilliant. It's possible it works. It's the first time the Cubs have taken a college pitcher in the first round, apparently, since Mark Pryor. And also, like, God, you better hope it works because there's a non-zero chance this kid blows his arm out and never pitches above a ball. Yeah, well, they took all pitchers, too. I mean, if you want to zoom out, they started there and then, uh, yeah, I guess that's Carter Ferris, Hawkins. Jackson is, Ferris, yeah. Yeah, and then they kept going. Like, every, I mean, then they got I think like they took a, one shortstop in, like, the fifth round. <laughs> Yeah, and and pretty much, uh, it, my favorite guy is uh, is the round four guy, Nazier Mule. That's my favorite dude who went who went to Passaic County Technical Institute. <laughs> I'm like, wait, they have a team? Like, <laughs> what? Um, he was the 113th overall round four, but he was also a pitcher. But yeah, they went pitcher heavy, and that's a Carter Hawkins thing, I guess. If you think about what he did with uh, the now guardians team. Um, so that was his claim to fame is identifying that. So I don't know if, uh, what, yeah, Kate Horton, like, I guess it doesn't make sense on paper. He's not in the magnificent seven or whatever was going around with that. But uh, I mean, the upside, I, I guess the, what do they call that? High, high ceiling. Yeah, exactly. He's a super high ceiling guy. Um, and like I, I said, look, I, I, I am not a prospect watcher. So this is not like you want prospect analysis of Bleed Cubby Blue. You go to Josh Timmers, follow him on Twitter at Cubs Miners Rap. He's great. He knows prospects. He knows the draft. I do not. But 
I can read the tea leaves on six weeks of work, a Tommy John surgery, and somebody who was not on the radar of most prospect watchers prior to the draft when everyone said, like, the thing I read in the lead up to the draft over and over and over again from all the smart analytics types who do follow the draft is that there's a magnificent seven. The people who have the top seven picks are going to get one of these guys. And all I was like, I was like, that's great. Cause you're going to get one of these guys who are like the top seven guys. And the top seven guys are so much better than the other guys. And the Cubs and admittedly the Rangers too, but what the Rangers did is a little bit different. The Cubs veered out of that lane. And if you're going to do something like that, God, I hope it works because if, if this is wrong, Jed Hoyer is just demonstrating that he should not have this job. Well, I I saw the mock drafts that I do not read those articles, but I did see that they existed. And did anybody pick Kate Horton at all? I I don't know. I didn't look at a ton of mock drafts, but not the Cubs certainly did not like the, I, and look, I get it. Like somebody's already probably firing up like, oh, but then they got him under slot and now they got the Ferris kid and the Ferris kid will slot. And like, maybe he will. That's great. I hope it works. This team has not been particularly great at developing pitching. So like, you'll forgive me that I'm sitting here with questions wondering what is the plan? Is there a plan? I don't know. I, as they're about to trade my all-time favorite player to somebody else for hashtag reasons, and we're just supposed to trust Jed. Well, maybe I should, uh, I'm going to try uh, Todd Ricketts' new search engine, freespoke.news, <laughs> and I'll look up Cade, Cade Horton um, uh, mock draft and well, see if anybody else had an idea. While you're doing that, I had no <laughs> idea Todd Ricketts had a search engine. Is this like Truth Social or something? Yes, it is. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, he's got his own. Maybe we have to revisit this on a future. It's in beta. This when is they do another the big reason release. I'm going with Wilson Contreras. <laughs> We're all going with Wilson. We can't watch any. We're changing this to a Wilson Contreras podcast. This will be a cup of Wilson blue. <laughs> <laughs> cup of Wilson blues. Cup of Contreras blues. I got the cup of Contreras blues. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, Free, Free Spoke doesn't have much on it, but they say – Baseball America projects Cade Horton to the Braves. Baseball what pick America. did the Braves have? 30? 29? Yeah. Uh yeah. 25? Well, they did win. Well, they did win well, the World they Series. They didn't have the best record. It's based on record, not but right, like right, so right. like what 25? Oh, yeah. That's I mean, look, like I said, he had some helium. Some other team was gonna take him higher than that. It, he wouldn't have made it all the way to the Braves. And also, the point of having one of those high draft picks is that you pick a guy who you know is gonna hit. You know he's going to make it to the major leagues someday, like Nico Horner playing shortstop for the Cubs. They're doing quite a good job of it, I might add. Nico Horner is one of the few players that Al Yellen, the editor over at BCB, gave an A2 for his first half. I'm using air quotes because it's not really the halfway mark, but we already covered that season grades. Uh, Wilson Contreras also got an A. Ian Happ got an A-. Is there anybody else you really want to throw into that A category, Danny? Because I, I, I got nothing. Uh. A category on the, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you said Keegan, right? Uh, I no, I did not actually. You I didn't. Said, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to name them right now. So we got Christopher Morrell, who I also didn't say I'm a little hot on yeah. this whole, like where the, the state of the team thing. Uh, we got Christopher Morrell. We got Ian Happ. 
We got Wilson Contreras. We got Nico Horner. Those are our A players. I think David Robertson might have also gotten an A. I'm scrolling right mm. now to find out. Yeah, I mean, it's he is what he he comes as kind of advertised. I mean, it's it honestly, it's like just with the way that the team is made up, it's really kind of hard to grade anybody. Uh, just the way it's gone. I I mean, yeah, but the only person I would add that I've been really impressed with uh, is Keegan Thompson. Like I would add him to it. I think he's uh, kind of come out of nowhere to impress me. So we got a B plus from Al. Uh, okay. Close to all right. But like, I think that's probably, well, you know, he had that rough start in Baltimore and he's gotten, he's gotten lit up a couple of times. Um, but hey, I do. We've all it- had, we've all had rough nights in Baltimore. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Baltimore is a great town. I have had some rough nights there and, and yeah. it's a fun place. Uh, <laughs> I could tell you some stories. You know, I do find it interesting though. I think that Keegan is getting graded a little bit rough here and Anderson Espinosa is getting graded a little bit easy because he got a B on this, although I will say, Anderson, oh. has, and, yeah, well, the the kid who keeps and, coming up for the double headers and just like getting yeah, some guys out, he, as he does not the count land. as a no. He he is <laughs> he is N slash A. All I not- know is I like that trade. Trade like half a year of Jake Marisnik for Anderson Espinosa. That's a good trade. That's where you go high upside with the guy you want back, right? Like if Anderson Espinosa never had thrown an inning for the Cubs, none of us would none of us would have been like, oh, the guy we got for Jake Marisnik, right? Like yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> You're like Jake who? Yeah, you know. Jake Marisnik yeah. was a Cub once. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. So no, it, that that was the sneaky. A lot of people have been saying that not a lot, but you know, bloggers that watch this stuff all day are like, ah, oh, Jake Marisnik. That might be the sneaky good trade of this whole situation. They're like. Everybody we got for Bryant, everybody we got for Rizzo, everybody we got for Javi, they might never play a game in major leagues, but somehow Anderson Espinosa will be for Jake Marisnik will be the trade that we'll be talking about. Yeah. Hey, I'm here for it. Uh, Let's close out this first half of the show talking about the all-star game. Anything that you loved in the midsummer classic. I will say this. I have watched some Emmanuel class A. I have him on a couple of fantasy teams, so I knew he was good. Emmanuel Class A almost threw an immaculate inning in the All-Star game. And admittedly, it was like at the very end of the game and he wasn't facing the starters and like the guys who are the toughest bats. But he was facing Garrett Cooper. He was facing Kyle Schwarber. Like Kyle Schwarber has 29 home runs and he looked mystified, mystified by Emmanuel Class A. 10 pitches, three strikeouts. I cannot. That's insane. Yeah. Well, you know. I wish he was a cub. What do you want me to say? You know, <laughs> and, and well, I don't know. Was he a, just out of curiosity, just because he does play for the guardians? Was he a Carter Hawkins? I, I'm looking this up right now. Perhaps, you know, perhaps like, he was like, we're going to find out if we have some hope here. There might yeah. be, it might be a perfect wraparound on this one. Yeah. Well, while, yeah, while well, I'm looking at that, he, uh, he's not on the Cubs though, but, but I, my take on the all-star game, I've made it clear I'm not an all-star game fan. In fact, uh, this was maybe the, but this time this was maybe the most I've tuned into the all-star game. And that's because I listened to Boog Shambi along with Doug Glanville on the radio ESPN call. And I am not, I have not been a great fan of Boog on the TV. I don't watch much TV of, of Cubs games. He does a great job on the radio. 
It was great. And him and Doug together, they're old friends. They're 25 years knowing, knowing each other. And that really came through. He, you know, Boog called him Dougie. Like I've hung out with Doug Glanville a couple times, like back in it in 2019 with the NBC uh, sports, Doug, Doug, I was in a room with Doug. A lot of times he came on Sunranto. I, I, you know, I would never call him Dougie. Like that's how long ago these guys knew each other. And you could tell, you could tell they were great friends. And it was, a, and I know a lot of people watched on TV. Nobody listens to the all-star game on the radio, except for crazy people like me, but it was a great call. And it was two Cubs guys that were doing it. And, um, I'll just say like Boog did a great job. Doug did a great job. I, I, you know, Wilson got on with an error, hap walks. Like, you know, I was thought, you know, for our, the cub fan, I'm very cub centric person. I I felt like from our standpoint, we did a a really nice job. Yeah. I, I really, um, I went back and listened to a little bit of that. I love Boog and Doug together. I've listened to them call Sunday night baseball on the radio together before. and, And they are quite good. It's interesting because, like, I feel like the chemistry between Boog and JD isn't always there, but the chemistry between Boog and Doug is, for 100% certain, I agree. You know who JD has great chemistry with? Beth Moens. Beth Moens, yep. I would listen to JD and Beth Moens call baseball games my whole life. I would fall asleep to that. That is one of the great, like, they are just well, incredible and th- you just, But you just, you just said it right there. I would fall asleep to that. <laughs> yeah, but, like. But like in Let a him good do way. Sunday afternoons. And like do... a, I just want to take a nap listening to this baseball game. Exactly. They the need Cubs to are going to be terrible for the foreseeable future. I can fall asleep to these games. I need, I need JD and Beth on Sunday afternoons, 120 starts, and you just put them on. You'd come back from brunch. You've had a couple of mimosas. You throw on the game. There's Beth. There's JD. And you, you, you maybe have one more mimosa. Then you kind of like pass out from innings four to six. You wake up, you see what's happening in the game. Maybe you drink a little coffee or uh, have another mimosa. Oh, man, that is a Sunday. That's a summer Sunday. It would be a great Sunday. By the way, I did get the word on Emmanuel Classe. He was signed as an international free agent Mm. by the Padres in 2015 he was traded from the Padres to the Rangers as a player to be named later for <laughs> Brett Nicholas the oh Rangers traded Emmanuel Class A and Delino DeShields Jr. to the Cleveland then Indians for Corey Kluber and that is how they got Emmanuel what a steal what a steal well Kluber was top of the line in his day yeah but that was Kluber coming off injury as sort of like a Actually, no, maybe it was before the injury. That might have been the, like, we're not going to be able to sign him, so we're going to trade him trade. That might have been that one. Man, the the man, Cleveland fleeced the Rangers on that one. Like, that is yikes. I, and, in fact, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, DeShields was the guy people were talking about with that trade, not Class A. And yeah. Okay, so that is probably Carter Hawkins seeing a guy who's like, hey – that guy do that do that for the cubs carter hawkins maybe that is the kate horton move maybe that's what we're doing with all this pitching who knows that would be great one more thing about the all-star game actually is that the guy that was the uh when we faced him anyway tony gonsolin who is the cy young 
you know, crown him now kind of guy when when we faced him from the Dodgers. Gave up all the runs. Three gave up three runs in this game. Yeah, uh, there's a couple other notes from the All Star game that I want to just touch on. Two homers. I really liked the pitchers mic'd up thing way more than I thought I would. When it first started and Alec Manoa kind of airmailed a ball on like the third pitch he threw while he w- had the mic in his ear, I actually was horrified. I thought, oh my God, this guy's going to kill somebody because he's going to airmail 98 at their ear and it's going to be bad. But he settled down and it was super fun. But honestly, when they did that, one of the things I thought was they would never mic up somebody like Liam Hendricks. They'll mic up Manoa, they'll mic up Stanton, they'll mic up Judge, but they would never risk miking up Liam Hendricks. And and props yeah. to MLB because MLB proved me wrong. They miked up Liam Hendricks, and that was great stuff. Liam had I, I needed more of Liam Hendricks mic'd up on the mound. Man, that guy grunts a lot when he pitches. Also, he got the one out right, and it's the it's his out in the All Star game, and he wants the ball. And he's like yelling to Julio Rodriguez, who also has an earpiece in. He's like, I need the ball. I need the ball. And Julio Rodriguez pretends to throw the ball to the stands, but doesn't. It was just, that was great TV. That's what I want from an all-star game. Like that was fun. It was playful. It was good. And thank you, MLB. I give you a lot of grief. We're going to give you a lot of grief in the second half. Miking up Liam Hendricks was good stuff. Yeah. I, I did not watch any of the game, not one. Uh, I, I watched the highlights only, so I, I missed all that. But I, I on the radio, though, and a lot of the side stuff I saw, the Contreras, the Contreri brothers together, they're making stuff of that. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, I, I kind of lightened up for a moment, and I thought to myself, you know, this is a big deal for these players. They're they're genuinely having a good time with each other in a game that doesn't count. That's an exhibition game in the middle of a very long season. And, uh, you know, I just, there, there was something for the first time, like maybe there's a switch here where like there's a certain romanticism about the all-star game that maybe in the future I can get down with. Yeah, I can get down with that, too. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on with MLB, about some trade deadline rumors. And we have a Phillies preview to coming at you on the flip side. But first, we are well overdue for a break for our sponsors. So give us a couple of seconds and we will be right back. And we're back. A uh, couple of things. I want to start with Rob Manfred being Rob Manfred. You know, one of, we were talking about the draft earlier. One of my favorite things about the draft is that as Rob Manfred comes to the mic for the first time, every single time, he gets booed lustily. It's one of those great sounds. And you just know it's going to happen. It's like a predictable thing. It's like the setting of the sun. Rob Manfred getting booed at the draft. Uh, Rob Manfred had one of his... One of his remarks that makes him one of the most hated men in American sports when he uh, told a bunch of reporters prior to the All-Star game that he rejects the premise that minor league baseball players don't make a living wage. He thinks they make a living wage by the time you calculate housing allowances and blah, 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 blah. By the way, all of those housing allowances are new like within the last calendar year. So I don't know why Rob Manfred's like trumpeting that horn so loudly as if like, Oh, they've, uh, we've always provided housing. You have not. Uh, You had a $12 per diem, bro. Like you're, you're wrong. (laughs) Only and only on the road. 
the number of baseball players who were minor leaguers who have come out and been like, actually, the reason I quit is because I made $15,000 in three years. Or actually, my $11,000 yearly salary definitely didn't pay enough is legion and epic. And it's like, and Manfred did this at a press conference with like all the big wig writers, right? So you got like Hannah Kaiser in this press conference. You got like Jeff Tasson in this press conference, like <laughs> six different writers, all of the blue check marks who have tons of followers tweeted this out at the same time. And I, I, it was just like, let's go, let's, let's roast Rob Manfred. As far as I can tell, and Danny, I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is the most American thing baseball has ever done upper management the guy who makes 17 million dollars a year talking about how those minor leaguers are totally making a living wage for 5k a year yeah well i mean in many respects like i'm living a similar life to a lot of these minor leaguers and i have my entire life um as an artist as a musician as somebody who you know has been freelance this entire time that if all of a sudden i've got no protections i've got no union. Uh, well, I got a union. I, I'm in Screen Actors Guild uh, for acting, but you know those jobs are few and far between, and most of it's just has gone 10.99. And you know, oh, you're an in- independent contractor, and that's what these major league baseball players are. And a lot of the protections that were set up for really workers in general in our country, uh, and the kind of the social contract that we had with each other has been eroded. Uh, really since let's face it since like Reagan became president in 1980 so it's you know that's pretty much my whole life I was six when that happened so I just set up and I watched it kind of erode and I watched you know this kind of go downhill like uh, major league baseball's unions hard-fought wins for the players which if you look back through the eras they were screwed as major leaguers for years and years uh, until that they made us think about it. Minor leaguers have stayed screwed. Nothing is different about the minor league experience than the horror stories of, you know, major league baseball from the era of like you're fired because you want a $200 raise or you left to go watch your child be born. Like every single right of every American worker has been hard fought by other people and they've dialed it all back in the name of greed and for Manfred to say this unabashedly in front of all the blue check marks, like you put it means that they don't care that they will unabashedly continue to do this until there is a backlash. So I'm hoping that the minor league baseball players eventually unionize, find their own power and uh, stop being, uh, I guess, split up by the way they're drafted. You got the rich California kids that played the, the, you know, travel ball. And then you got the Dominican kids who they got signed when they were 15 years old. And then you, uh, you know, have every, everybody else pretty much, but, uh, and then, you know, your Ben Zobris of the world who, you know, used his grandma's $500 to join a baseball camp. So you'll, but that'll be the few and far between story. So I, I don't know, like, you know, the, the more evil Manfred is the matter everybody's going to get. And the more people will think like, I think, uh, and maybe we'll get changed in a positive direction. That That's the best I can look at it from my 
my personal perspective. Yeah, labor unions in the United States are resurgent for the first time in our lifetimes, really, which is frankly the best thing that could have come out of all of this. But we need we need more and we need faster. I will say that um, you mentioned international free agents and these kids who are signing at 16 years old out of the Dominican Republic or like Wilson Contreras out of Venezuela. Like these there's a real interesting deadline on the horizon there. July 25th, according to the newest CBA, is the date for MLB and the Players Union to agree to terms for an international free agent draft. And if they agree to those terms, the qualifying offer for free agents will go away, which means that they won't get saddled with that like, oh, we lose a draft pick if we if you turn down the qualifying offer when you're a free agent thing. If they don't come to terms, and and I don't know if they're going to come to terms or not. They're pretty far apart on the amount of money that they believe should be in this draft. Yeah, shocking, right? Like the, the players would like the kids who are playing in Dominican, the Dominican Republic and in Venezuela to and in Mexico to get, you know, get paid. Like Here's $4 in a roof for your chicken coop. Get <laughs> you know, that's what they want to give. Right. Yeah. And and the MLB owners are like, oh, we just can't afford all of that. That would be that would be terrible. Like we can't afford anything. So I don't I don't know if they're gonna come to terms on that, but be watching that. We will cover it here on Cup of Cubby Blue for sure, because it's it's a really important moment for the sport in terms of what that international talent pool will look like. And one of the things that is a real interesting sort of deep dive, if you want to go listen to some podcasts, do some reading on it. I can put some links uh, up on the on the Cup of Cubby Blue account. But when Puerto Rico got kind of like roped in to the U.S. draft and no longer counted as the international pool, that devastated baseball in Puerto Rico. It, it devastated the resources that were spent on the game. It meant it's part of the reason that players like Javier Baez came over to Florida to do their high school years in Florida rather than trying to get signed out of Puerto Rico like there are some cautionary tales here and I hope they get this right because baseball 30% of the league is international talent and I would like to see more Emmanuel Class A's and Wilson Contreras's in the world yeah and uh it, and it matters a lot not, not just where people come from because uh, you, you're gonna want to grow the sport internationally as we live in a more international world and i think that's a good thing you know that you'll get talent from everywhere like you said liam Hendricks. i mean he's from australia <laughs> so you know he's coming from uh even further than a lot of these guys come from the caribbean and the 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 way that the game has grown in the past you know is quite fascinating and somewhat disturbing in some ways historically uh, in how baseball got to certain places. But, um, you know, it, 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 you can't call it the world series if you don't have uh, international players, even though they've been doing it longer than they were international, but it's it, it, the fairness of it matters. Uh, you know, if you can sign young talent for much cheaper, that, screws over American ball players, And um, so they, they need to make sure that the price is similar to the owners. Otherwise uh, we will be in an unequal situation real fast as the motive for owners is profit, which doesn't always make for the best product of the sport we love. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, like I said, we'll be we'll be covering it here for sure. We will also be covering these last few Cubs series as we head into 
the the I don't even know what to call it. It's not the second half. It's like the second third. I don't I don't last well, third. It's not a third. Quarter, I mean, it's... the quarter pull. I don't know, man. I I'm running out of metaphors here. We're headed into the last few. There's weeks. seventy games left. There's a lot of There's games 70. left. Seventy. <laughs> Seven zero is the exact number. There's 70 games left. Great. As we head into these last 70 games, we'll be covering those. And and the first three are against this Phillies team, who I find kind of interesting. If you recall, the Phillies fired manager Joe Girardi early in the season. Then they kind of had a bit of a resurgence. They have since lost Bryce Harper, who is dealing with a finger injury that required surgery. But Kyle Schwarber has really stepped up in his absence. He has 29 home runs leading the National League. Um Nick Castellanos has been super cold. He has a WRC plus in the 70s and 80s this year. It's not great. And the Phillies cannot play defense because if you have an outfield that includes Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, well, one of those guys has to play right. (laughs) It's not great. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that Jonathan Papelbaum just basically calling out the Phillies as just being the biggest S show of all time, (laughs) you know, and even since he was there, remember when he, he was choking Bryce Harper in the dugout? I mean, and, you know, say what you want about Papelbaum, but he's never pulled his punches, like literally. And um, so, I mean, are they just a mess of a team? Like, I don't know enough about the Phillies because there's 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 some names on this team. Real Muto, uh, Bohm. Has been is a great player. Uh, you got Schwarber, who's been hitting him out. Although he's like three true outcomes on steroids. So um, here's the thing about the Philadelphia Phillies. On May 31st, and I don't remember the exact day that they filed, fired Joe Girardi, but this is they long, had a terrible May. This is long about the time that they fired Joe Girardi. The Phillies were 21 and 29, and not doing well at all. They're eight games under 500. Going into the all-star break, they're 48 and 43 and they're in the hunt in the NL East. Now, granted, that's an NL East that includes the Atlanta Braves uh, with Ronald Acuna Jr., who, I mean, we saw that Braves team. That Braves team is real good. Um, that It also includes the New York Mets, who got some bad news about Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom had some shoulder pain uh, after his last rehab start, so they're going to push his next rehab start back a couple of days. But they've got Max Scherzer back, and honestly... Having Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom is probably just unfair, so the Phillies will probably be just fine with just Max Scherzer. I think this Phillies team is very good and interesting to watch, and I also, like, the rumors of their defense being historically bad are not exaggerated. It is the worst defensive team I've ever seen in my life. I'm definitely getting tickets to when they come to Wrigley because <laughs> I want to see, I want to sit in the outfield and just watch balls drop <laughs> all over the warning track and just... You know, Castellanos and Schwarber being like, oh, like what happened? I'm like, yeah, keep running, Morrell. <laughs> yeah, we are absolutely wave. going. To, we're going to those games. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Wave them in, Willie. Just keep waving. <laughs> God, you know Kyle Schwarber is going to throw someone out at the plate, too, because he knows how to oh, play yeah. that left field, and he's at, he he's does. got a cannon for an arm. Oh, oh, actually, I just want to go out there just to see Schwarbs, to be honest. It'll be like, the one time nobody's trolling the left fielder. We'll all we'll all just cheer for Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. No, I gave uh, I gave Bryant hell when he was out there with the Giants. Did you really? I didn't. Well, I, nobody else did. Everybody was mad at me. I was like, "What? Come on, he's the left fielder from the other team." And everyone was like, "Yo, bro, 
Yeah, no, like but, I, there are some you know, guys who I get take passes for me out there. So Kyle Schwarber's getting nothing but love for me out there. Jack Peterson, nothing but love for me out there. Chris Bryant, nothing but love for me out there. And if Wilson I, Contreras or William Contreras ever plays left field at, at Wrigley for hashtag reasons, they will get nothing but love for me out there too. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I'll give them all the love. It was Chris Bryant that I literally was who I wanted to do it to. It well, was, uh, yeah, Danny, it was. It was. You might it was to very... talk about that with your therapist or something. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I don't know if you have well, a therapist, but you could talk about it with your therapist if you did. I believe you're my therapist. We're on it right now. <laughs> this is millennial therapy or Gen X therapy. Gen X yeah, this, slash millennial yeah, therapy. Yeah, I yeah I am I am solidly a Gen X person. I'm right on um, that line. Like I'm one of those people who had like laptops come up in high school but also yeah. like learned how to 80? use a literal 10 key yeah 1980 right 79 but yeah right around there mm. so like the i am literally the like definitional z- z- what do they yeah. call zenial yeah my sit yeah my sister's 79 and she she has this similar traits yeah um love some avocado toast though that's keeping me out of getting a home that avocado toast uh and jet x is like it's avocado it's toast it's avocado toast. That's cool. I, I also was definitely <laughs> definitely care. a latchkey kid. Like my parents were like, "Ah, you're nine now. Like we're gonna go do some stuff and like <laughs> <laughs> make, make yourself some ramen noodles. Don't leave the stove on." It's like, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been using the stove since you were six, so you were fine. <laughs> yeah, that was under supervision, though. Uh, let's talk about these pitching matchups. So we've got some probable pitchers here for this Cubs Phillies series. This will be in Philadelphia. The Cubs actually have all three of their starters listed, which is, you know, new. Uh, We've got Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, and Drew Smiley going for the Cubs. The Phillies do not have all of their starters listed, but I have a hunch as to who that third guy might be. They've got Kyle Gibson, Zach Wheeler, and I am betting Aaron Nola as per the Roto-Wire probable pitcher grid uh, for that third game. Man, if Stroman and Smiley look like they did after their last starts coming off of injury... This actually doesn't look that bad for the Cubs. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And it's kind of like the way the team is now. I, I wonder like, how, what do I root for here? Like Steele, you're rooting for him to keep taking steps forward. Stroman, you just want him to be the star of Chicago that for the next three years, like transitions us into another juggernaut that wins the world series, you know, and then he'll, he'll be part of the next, not great Cubs team, but, Maybe the next not be, embarrassing Cubs team. Not emb- yeah. <laughs> There's a the obvious shirts, Joe. You got to help us. We the next not embarrassing uh, Cubs team. Doesn't yeah, really and roll then, off the tongue. I got to work on that. Yeah, and then Smiley, well, complicated T-shirts. Uh, Smiley, <laughs> who who you're what you're hoping for here is that he doesn't get hurt and he does really great and is in his next two starts and you can trade him with an the next week and he can be like the and whoever comes back for drew smiley is the new anderson espinosa and it's like hey we got a guy and he's useful he's great yeah exactly and um kyle gibson i mean he hasn't had a great year he's got a 435 era um you know he did really he, he he was not good in his last start but he did well against st louis the last two times he pitched uh before that um uh, Zach Wheeler, we've seen him with the Mets for years. He's having a really good year. He's top of the line. It's it's funny because like the Mets seem to pick up a couple pitchers from the Mets who or or the Phillies 
picked up a couple pitchers from the Mets who used to screw them up. Uh, Zach Wheeler being one of them. And uh, he's, and he was like a good back end of the rotation dude when they had the, like the, the, the DeGrom and the, who's the dark Knight? Um, oh, Harvey. Matt yeah, Harvey. yeah, exactly. Like he was part of that whole crew when the Mets were like, our top five are like the, the killer dudes. Um, Syndergaard was a part of that, of course. And uh, so, I mean, he's having a great year, so he's going to be tough to get through. And Aaron Nola uh, or TBD. I mean, I don't know why it's TBD and not just Aaron Nola. Uh, he was one of the guys that was not vaccinated that did not go to Toronto. I read. Yeah, so you would kind of, and he also didn't pitch in the All-Star game. So you kind of feel like Aaron Nola should be like the first guy. Not but Aaron Nola has COVID. Oh, that's why. That's why. Yeah. So they're they're hoping it, that Aaron Nola gets better in time. Yeah, and I don't I didn't read their whole like how they're doing the COVID list and so stuff. So wait, but... he didn't go to Toronto because he wasn't vaccinated. And while he wasn't in Toronto because he wasn't vaccinated, he got COVID. We went to the bar. <laughs> I just I just wanted to point that out because I think that's incredible. Uh, I do want to highlight. I don't something. know that. By the way, that's all speculation. But I'm just saying. Okay, that so we don't know. All, so we're just yeah. making up that Aaron. I'm like I hadn't heard Aaron Noah had COVID. No, I did not hear that either. Um, I just know that he didn't go to Toronto because he wasn't vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so to be clear, we are not saying Aaron Noah had COVID. We just. We're joking around. We just know it's still TBD. It's a joke. It's a joke, people. Uh, You know, I want to talk a little bit about how- It's a dry humor. Incredibly (laughs) poor the defense of this Phillies team is. So defensive run saved is a metric that you can use to just kind of look at like, hey, how many runs are you giving up? Because your your defense is awful. The Cubs are not great on this metric. I wrote a piece about it for BCB about a month ago. And in that piece, uh, I noted that the Cubs were down in the bottom third of the league. They still are. They're number 24 in MLB with negative 16 defensive run save. But the Phillies are worse, my friends. The Phillies are 27th in Major League Baseball. They have negative 23 defensive run save this year. So really, like, if the wind is blowing out or it's questionable, or actually, no, it's not at Wrigley. Like, all I'm saying is bet the over. Just bet the over. These two teams do not know how to throw and catch the ball. Well, and have you seen the uh, weather in Philadelphia? No. It's going to be 100 degrees every Oh, so day. the ball is going to be bouncing. Well, I mean, and that's, that's one of those. I know a lot of Cub fans have probably been to the stadium in Cincinnati, which is a little bit similar in that it's like kind of an open so- sort of uh, layout. So there's not a lot of shade there. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be hot. And, but also like, come on, the guys are going to be boiling. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's going to be, I mean, this is the hottest it's, it's been. It's like historically hot. It's like 90, then 95, then a hundred. Like they're predicting a hundred for the day game. So what you're saying (laughs) is you should get some potato chips ready in case everybody cramps up like Jason Hamill did all those years ago, because people are going to need some salt. Yeah, the the drink pickle juice. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be insane. That is like, a that is a hitter friendly environment, though. And let's talk about some Phillies hot hitters. You already mentioned JT Romuto, their catcher, who has a team leading WRC plus of one thirty. 
Reese Hoskins has a WRC plus of also at 130. Kyle Schwarber, the aforementioned former Cub hero and and a leading home run hitter because who the Cubs let walk for nothing. They just non-tendered him, didn't even get a prospect back or anything. 1.5 million was too rich for the Ricketts blood. Kyle Schwarber has a WRC plus of 127. Alec Bow is also at 127. Derek Hall, who is a rookie with a plus bat, not a great glove, just like most of the Phillies, uh, has a WRC plus of 126. And Yairo Munoz is at 118. Yeah, I mean, overall, the Phillies aren't that scary of a team. Um, you know, they're 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 kind of middling. They're they're slightly they're a slightly above average team overall, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they're they're doing better than the Cubs, though. They've got like an actual winning record in a difficult division, Danny. Well, yeah, but uh, you know. I mean, what does it matter? Like if, it, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not seeing a, a, a situation where like being a middling or slightly above average team happens uh, is worth it because it's, is it a playoff team? Sure. Maybe now that you have 14 guys. Yeah. I think it's a playoff or four, team. Or, or I mean, four, 14 te- teams make it. Yeah. You know? It's a play. I think it's a play. I mean, they're a cuspy playoff team though. They're, they're a playoff team who might be a playoff team, you know, <laughs> they're, they're a playoff team. Like you're a millennial. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're, they're the genial playoff team. <laughs> yeah, they're, zenial. they're the genial. They, they both learned how to use a 10 key and they like avocado toast. That's the Phillies. Uh, the Cubs the, ha- the, the Xenadelphia Phillies. We're <laughs> just very close to xenophobia. Like, I feel like we just should walk That's away true. from this joke before it yeah. gets a little bit out of control. Because yeah, yeah. it's going to take we one should. It's getting late person. in the show to mishear that joke and we are going to get lit up and it's going to be real bad because Phillies fans are kind of, they're kind of like, they're like, did you, do you remember prior to the pandemic? This is one of the last stories I remember prior to the pandemic. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles announced that they were going to do a fan cruise for Eagles fans, like a three day, four night cruise where all the Eagles fans would get on a ship together and like go out on the ocean. And I was convinced that this was going to be the most epic sea disaster of all time. Like, just like, can you imagine one cruises like, yikes, you're stuck on a boat with people, but two Philly fans on a boat with people. How like over under for number of people who get thrown overboard on that one. Yeah, that's a rough one. I mean, they're notorious. They've thrown batteries on the, under the field. And my, my favorite though, of all time from, Phillies fans is is the guy uh, named Matthew Clemens of Cherry Hill, New Jersey, who was accused of uh, vomiting on a girl at a game, an 11 year old girl. Uh, uh, he was never convicted of this, but it happened. And I love the picture of him from uh, the, you know, kind of like the file records, Matthew of Matthew Clemens. He's got a big black guy. Because the girl that he vomited on, on purpose, as a dare from his friend or something like that, um, the girl's uh, father was a cop. How do you vomit on? You know what? I don't want to know. I don't want to know how you vomit on someone on purpose. (laughs) I don't know why you would do that. (laughs) Philly, keep it classy. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, The Cubs. the worst place I've ever lived. I've lived in Philly twice, and it was absolutely terrible both times. Well, that sounds like a story for the next episode. 
Huh? That sounds like a story for the next episode. <laughs> well, I've got a bunch of stories because it was twice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that one for when the Phillies come to Wrigley. The Cubs do have some hot hitters, and we should talk about them. This is the first time Wilson Contreras has not been on this list. He's been in a little bit of a slump. Uh, heading into Little. the all-star he's break terrible uh yeah he's not on this list right now this goes back to june 15th he had to have at least 40 plate appearances to make the list say suzuki has a wrc plus of 155 nico horner is at 137 christopher morell is at 124 david bodie is at 124 ian happ is at 116 and patrick wisdom is at 112 it's a weird collection of names but it might work and it honestly kind of matches up pretty well with that phillies collection of names what do you think uh i mean I, I think that it's just like it it really just sounds like a train wreck. I mean, coming out of the all-star break, I don't know what I'm gonna face, uh, what where people's vibes are gonna be. I mean, Cubs had almost just lost 10 straight. They won the last game, but it was rough. That was a rough ending to the first quote unquote half. And now we're facing a Phillies team that had their manager fight. I mean, it's a, it, an S show, as Jonathan Papelbon would put it in print. It is an S show, as Jonathan Papelbon <laughs> would put it in print. If he says that about this series, you know you'll hear about it here at Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, Danny, while we're watching to see and hopefully pray that Phillies fans don't vomit on any children. Cause like, why would you do that? That is trash. Where can people find you if Phillies fans get a little bit out of control during the series? Well, uh, tomorrow night, and we're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, July 20th. So, uh, tomorrow on the 21st, we're going to have the Sun Ranto ranters round table, which is somewhat redundant, but Sarah Sanchez is going to be on the show. And we've, have all of our friends that we've met out at the ballpark. Uh, we've got uh, the director of morale, uh, Dom. He's going to come on and tell us what he thinks. We got uh, Cody Del Mendo from Chuggo. We got the Cubs uh, insider guys uh, and from the rant. Uh, it, we've got, listen, we've got Captain Cubbo coming on the show. A real live superhero is coming on tomorrow night to the Sun Ranto Ranter Roundtable. And we're going to just kind of take the temperature of all the Cub fans around uh, and uh, the bloggers and the people that cover this game. And uh, you should tune in because it's going to be a live show. We're going from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. And probably you're getting the podcast right now. If you're listening to this, it's going to be tonight if you're getting it at the time that I think you might be getting it. Yeah, you are you are getting in on the ground floor. Set your calendars for it's always fun to hang out with the ranters, to hang out with the ranter round tables. There's lots of great baseball minds in Chicago. And and I frankly I think we need each other right now. We need a little bit of community. I will be tweeting about my appearance on the Ranter Round Table and about this upcoming Philly series from my account at BCB underscore Sarah. Everything from this show, including all of the references and all of the episodes, is at the Cup of Cubby Blue Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. And look, y'all, it's it's going to be a rough haul, but we can all go with Wilson Contreras. We will we will follow the Contreras exploits throughout the rest of the season. And in the meantime, we've got everything you need to know about Jed Hoyer's historically possibly bad last place Chicago. Actually, are they even in last place? The Reds might be in last place. We might be historically bad and not even last place. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's just it. It's uh, even the uh, 
some of those Cubs teams, the 62 Cubs, guess who was worst? <laughs> the 62 Mets. <laughs> That's great. So the Cubs are historically bad and not even capable of maxing out their draft pick. That's the way we do it. It's different <laughs> here, people. Until next time. Bye.